right, so listen, um, I wrote a book, God Must Have Forgot About Me. And in that book, I outlined a lot of uh, personal and painful experiences that I had as a child and, and as a young kid uh, that grew up in the city of Stockton, California, and was molested by two men. And, um, you know, over my life and evaluating that experience and how serious it is and now having a platform to talk about it. Uh, you know, I know sometimes we get reckless, but sometimes we got switched up and get a little serious. I wanted to lend my platform to a young man who has been advocating for justice for a long time, but has been uh, marginalized or treated as a joke because of some of his antics online, some questionable and some uh, not legitimate at all. And that's Raz B. But before I do that, I wanted to talk to you guys about you know this topic of why why are in the why in the era of a me too or times up have men been forgotten or or displaced in the conversation about uh being treated fairly or having their attackers or uh, brought to justice uh rasby has alleged that his <laughs> molested him some time ago about seven years ago me and uh, Charlemagne the God interviewed him and we talked about it and it went viral at the time and since it's been removed from all social platforms but still and yet and still this person hasn't been arrested hasn't been charged hasn't been interviewed or, or investigated I think uh, uh, and so my question is is why is it that men are not taken serious and they receive justice just like women are hmm. Um, well, I will say this. This is going to sound shocking. The answer that a lot of people say is because it's toxic masculinity. We often think that term is only used against men, but toxic masculinity means anything feminine is bad and feelings and vulnerability are considered feminine. And so a lot of times when a man comes wants to come out and say that he's been molested, he's treated as if he is less than a man because he is somehow doing something that only women are allowed to do. And so a lot of times men feel shamed, they feel weakened, they feel disrespected by other men. Society doesn't create space for men to be tender and soft and abused. And, and so vulnerability of any sort, which is a tenant of toxic masculinity, actually is ironically why when men are abused, they too can't speak up because that's a woman thing. Only women get abused. And it really, really sucks. And also too, let's be honest, um, sexual abuse is very normalized in the black community because we are in so much pain and mental health only became a thing that we started talking about publicly a couple of years ago. You, Charlemagne the God, and several other people have made that a lot more popular, but it's fairly new. And so we're used to people saying they have that weird, creepy uncle that they don't want to leave you alone in the room with. That weird, creepy uncle is a, is a molester, right? But we don't want to say that. And so I think it's just really easy for people to hide in, in plain sight. Look at R. Kelly. It took him 30 years for him to finally be called out because of Me Too. And I'm hoping Black men will finally have space to be able to to speak out about what and, they're- and still, even with R. Kelly, there's a, there's women that were advocating for him to get bailed out, people raising money to support him, people defending him and wanting him to be released because he has a good song. So it is an issue in our community that we don't want to talk about. And I also feel like for the last seven years, people that have not allowed this story to continue in the headlines and continue to give uh, air to it or, 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 or put breath in its lungs have been complicit in defending the predator or the alleged predator that took advantage of him and so damaged as a man. Why do you believe that, um, you know, this topic is is a topic? Why do you, why do you believe that men are not taken serious or or finding justice in situations like this? I love what Blue said, man. Toxic masculinity, and um, like you said, we, we use it to shame men or go at men, but at the same time, it's that same thing that stops men from coming out and speaking. And a lot of times, if a man comes out in Raz B situation, it's a man, you know, molesting a man. Well, in a, in, a, in a lot of situations, there's older women that touch on young guys, you know, and if you were to go to tell somebody about that in the community, it's like, yeah, that's supposed to happen. You don't like that. What are you gay? And you get shamed 
for just being uncomfortable with a situation that you have the absolute right to be uncomfortable with. At 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, man, up to whatever age, if you're not comfortable with somebody touching on you, you should be able to say that. But I feel like as a man, it's sometimes, uh, especially if it's a woman doing that to you, it's something you're supposed to embrace. It's part of manhood. You're supposed to like that. But you know, it, it creates a weird narrative in your head and you don't know when to speak out because you feel shamed if you really be vulnerable and say your feelings. So this is me really just piggybacking off of what Blue said. That was phenomenal because I've been in those situations. Well, yeah, and as a gay man, you know, people, they, they try to blend the lines of homosexuality and being a victim of a predator. And those are two distinct different things. I think sometimes it's easy to try to just mold it all together to shape a narrative that makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, your, your wild, crazy uncle who was touching you is a predator who should be in prison. Your cousin, your manager, your whoever, right? And I feel like, again, creating conversations like this and giving men an opportunity to come forward and being taken seriously. You know, I'm going to be talking to Raz B one-on-one and I'm going to strip away all of the perception. You can strip, you know, yes, he's an artist. Yes, he's had online antics. Yes, he said a lot of wild things. Uh, but does that mean that we should negate the fact that he's been a young man crying for help and having somebody who allegedly sexually abused him brought to justice? I don't think so. But I'd be interested in seeing what people think in the comments. I'd like to welcome Raz B to the show. Uh, Raz, the last time I saw you or that we actually did an interview was about seven years ago. And uh, it was a pilot that I was doing at the time with Charlemagne the God, Claudia Jordan, and Little Mo. And and I had called Ricky, your brother, and asked that he have you come on our show as a, as a pilot. And that show ended up becoming the first ever viral interview that I've ever done. And it did, the show didn't go anywhere, but the viral video went everywhere. And that was where you had come on to talk about all the allegations at the time that you had made about um, in the media. And then um, I didn't get a job and Charlemagne did, but uh, nonetheless, I'm glad that I ended up having my own platform so that way we could come together. And it's good to see you. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Wow. What a, what a, what a huge memory. That was a very controversial uh, time in my life. Uh, very dark time, very painful time in my life. I felt like I was just being bullied. I felt like I was bullied so much for, I moved to China. I mean, I had a great opportunity over there. I was able to reinvent myself and really grow as a man and mature. But that was that was rough. You know, it, uh, I learned a lot about the world. I learned a lot about people. So, you know, I just always, you know, focus personally on my my own mental health and make sure that my spirit and my relationship with the Lord is intact. Because in this world, bro, you you got to be strong. Because if you're relying for other people for your happiness, for your love, the world will turn it back on you. And I'm the same kid that gave y'all all these great records, the same kid that pretty much was crying out for help. You know what I mean? And nobody was there to help me. Nobody was there to support me. Everybody turned their back on me. You know what I mean? So it, it was a rough situation in my life, you know, but uh, you, you live and you learn and you just uh, you just keep it pushing. And that's uh, that's why I'm still here. I'm still pushing. So everybody knows you are one of the four members of the infamous group B2K. You guys have fans, millions and millions of fans all over the world. I remember when B2K, you know, kind of hit the scene. I'm a lot older than you. So I remember when y'all hit the scene, every girl loved B2K and, and just everybody embraced the fact that, you know, uh, for the generation that you had entered the, the industry, you know, you were another boy band group that, you know, people had fell in love with before, you know, the Jodeci's and the Boyz II Men's and even before then with other historical groups. What do you think it was that made the fans fall in love with each of you as an individual and collectively as a group? Well, one thing I, I would say was really unique about B2K, I was in the group. <laughs> I was very grown up seeing having family in the business. I was inspired to one day have my own group. 
I feel like we had a lot of development in the talent and talent area, but I, I don't feel like we had enough development to grow up to be the shit wouldn't have broke up if we had the proper development or maybe we just had the wrong team, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, but I, I believe each, each and every one of us were, were unique. Uh, we were, we, we were special in our own way, but I really feel that my driving force and the spirit that I had in me, I always wanted to have a group. So I always, you know, it was, it was that spirit in me. I feel that made it, made that group really go. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to, this, this doesn't take anything from none of my boys, but you know, my family has, has had, you know, uh, success in the music business. So when you, when you're a kid, you, you want to emulate that. And I feel like that was the driving force, but you know, each and every one of us was talented. And most importantly, we had Tommy Matola behind us. We had, we had millions of dollars and we were a talented group. And I think we, um, it was our time. Okay. So when I, when I think of Rasby, I think of Rasby from B2K. So Rasby, the young performer, Rasby, the young singer, Rasby, the young dancer, but take the audience back to Rasby the kid. So, like, who were you before the group? What type of kid were you? What were your dreams? What were your ideals for the world ahead of you? And who did you want to be? And how did you see this industry helping to shape that? Right. Good question. Well, Rasby, as a kid, uh, from my mom's eyes, she said I was always outgoing, funny. I would always sing in public at the Mexican market. She said I would always buy the little girls. Uh, ice cream, you know, I don't just go and buy. She's like, I've always been a giver. Um, and I've always been an entrepreneur. So I just knew I would be doing, I knew I'd be selling something because my mom had a store, you know, for the most part. Um, I still ask myself this question today. I say, being in the music industry, was this really my dream or was it somebody else's dream? Because I know I, my brother was really inspired to be in the business. And, you know, one day I, one day I look up and, he got me in talent shows and yeah, I got some talent, but I didn't really know if I wanted to pursue this because sometimes when you're inspired by something that's just so close to you, it makes you think that's what you want. But now that I'm older, I mean, I still love making music because I love making music. I love the business because I understand the business, but I, I'm more fascinated with the platform that I have and the access that I have to be able to reach the people to be able to make a difference. It's about pushing the human race forward. So essentially being in the music industry has given me the platform to just grow and be a better man and be able to use my harness, my skills. But Rasby, the kid, were you a happy kid? Did you like, what, what was, was there a light in your eye? Were you a kid that came? I mean, I know that you had some, you know, you, you didn't have the easiest uh, upbringing. I know you ended up going to live with your cousin, but I'm trying to get to who you were as a person before mm -hmm. the fame, before the mega fame, because you guys didn't just become famous. You guys were infamous. You couldn't go anywhere. Raz, um, well, I grew up without a, without a father, but well, my mom was so loving, um, always kept us in the church, always would take us out the hood, take us to Disneyland or take us to the park and, you know, take us to fly kites. So I felt like I had enough love in me, um, to, to, to develop my, uh, myself. Mm, just an outgoing kid. I love to have fun. You know what I mean? Um, just a good kid. Just a good kid out of the way. I think uh, with having domestic violence in, in the home, that started and having a brother who's kind of just running around crazy led to, you know, petty theft, you know, um, just little stuff. And I feel like it was a blessing that I was able to, you know, go live with my family because I was able to dodge 
what potentially could have turned into something different. I could have wound up in jail. I could have wound up dead. When you live in a 10th, 10th Avenue in Crenshaw, I went to Hyde Park. You know what I'm saying? Um, anything could happen. But I'm, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just grateful by the by the grace of God that um, I'm not in jail, dead, or or, or, or causing harm. You know, um, so it's kind of hard for me to describe myself because you know that's why I think this documentary I have coming up. I'm, we're interviewing a lot of my friends and you know um, that actually know me. I feel like that's going to allow for people to really get a judge of character because I don't want to. Uh, really speak too much on myself, but you know, got a big heart, man. The reason why I asked the question is because I wrote a book where I detailed a lot of the things that I went through, right? And in writing the book and having to go through the details of all the traumatic experiences, me being molested, right. me being abandoned, me going to foster care, me being shot, me watching my brother die. I had to relive a lot of the trauma and I had to try to go back. When I wrote the book, I had to try to go back to find that young, innocent Jason who always had a smile on his face, who hadn't been taken advantage of, who hadn't been exposed to the world, who hadn't been exposed to evil, I had to go back to because I had lost him. I, I had forgot about him. And so I'm trying to see if you remember who that guy was, because we know who Raz B is, the artist. We know who Raz B the headline is, but we don't know Raz B the kid. We don't know Raz B before he got exposed to all of us, you know? Right. No, I, I, I agree. I just used to, you know. Stay out of the way for the most part. You know, I always would play my sports, my basketball, my video games. But yo, when you're when you when you're at when you're in foster care or group or group home, this is this is before, this is under the age of 13. So these are the years that I'm starting to develop. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, between like eight and eleven, like that's when I see my whole world start to, you know, change because my mom got with this dude who's doing 25 years of life. You know, and I just really seen my whole life change. And then now I'm in foster homes. Now I'm in group homes. Then before I come out, then I come out of a group home. A year later, I'm going to live with my cousin. And then, you know, I go through that whole stuff. So, you know, I still feel that the same innocent kid is in me. Um, and that's the part that I protect the most. Like you said, before you before you went through the, you know, the, 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 the traumatic events, those things take you so far away from self. You have to find that who you are. So I think my journey thus far that I'm still on is still um, help me reconnect with myself and who I am as a person. When you say you protect that part of yourself, who are you protecting that part of yourself from? Probably, probably from myself. <laughs> Real talk. You know, I, I had a lot of pain and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that's gone through things worse than I have. I'm just grateful. You know, people, somebody say, well, well, if you had any regrets, would you turn your hand and turn back the hand of time? All of these things have actually built me up into the person that I am. Why I would never try to harm a kid. Why I have integrity and respect for all women, all life. Um, you know, I just, you know, yeah, man, that's deep. You got me thinking, boy. Listen, I can tell you. So you already wrote a, you already wrote a book, Jay. So boy, you already like you there. I'm, I'm still reaching. <laughs> one of the quote, no, because the documentary that we're going to talk about is it's going to revolutionize the, your life and how you see yourself because it's going to force you to work through a lot of stuff. In my book, I actually one of my quotes I say I took all the darts thrown at me and I built them into a throne. You know what I mean? And so like I've been through the foster care like you and the group homes. And when you go through it, you know, I do. I, I rediscovered like you're rediscovering little Jason, like you're discovering little little Raz. You know what I mean, Stri stripping away all of what people have thrown on you. 
And that's who I'm trying to get to because in this, you know, you, you mentioned going to live with your cousin. So when you went to go live with your cousin, we're talking about I've been very vocal on Hollywood Unlocked on all my platforms. I've talked since I interviewed you then, even though we may not talk often and you know, we don't have that close relationship. I've always remembered the conversation that we had where you were uh, where you were in the middle of a firestorm in media uh, around talking about and recounting the the circumstances that uh, you found yourself in living with your cousin. So you went to live with your cousin. At the time you went to go live with him, did you did you think that he was gay? Did you know he liked men, young boys? Allegedly, I have to throw that in there so I don't get sued. But did you did you know about his sexuality or his sexual predacy? That's a really good question. I think my stepfather did. And it seemed it seems to me the way my brother called called I don't know, I feel like I'm gonna give the, I'm gonna give this away in my documentary, but I'm gonna give it to you now. I learned how to jack off at house. My brother's in the bed right here, and my cousin, my other cousin, not my other cousin, Tony, is right here. I have no reason to lie on anybody, because this shit is about my truth. But I'm asking, why the fuck are you teaching a five or six year old how to jack off? Mm. Now that I'm older, now I'm a 35 year old man. I'm saying, okay, they were probably priming me. Okay. Okay. Now they're coming back over to pick me up a little bit more often. And before I know it, you know, my brother, my brother's doing shit to me before I know it, I'm at the house. So I think there, I think my stepfather kind of was curious about what was really, you know, what MO was, you know, to each his own. I mean, I'm not here to, nor do I want my legacy to be about uh, my cousin. You know, there's all kind of fucked up people in, in the family. People do all kind of fucked up shit. The thing is this, I just hate that. We'll get to that later, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> who, was teaching you how to, who was teaching you how to masturbate? Was it your stepdad or? No, it was, no, it was my, it was my cousin and my brother and I'm in the bed. So, okay. but you know, I'm not looking at it as, is it a bad thing? Cause I know they, you know, that's what you know. Niece, that's what cousins and stuff like. I, I get it. That, that's what they do. But I just didn't understand why that was happening at the house. I'm probably like five or six, Jay. And so, did you feel like that when you look back on it now? I mean, as your kid, you probably don't understand it. But when you look back at it, did you think that was like the early stage of grooming, potentially? Completely. And so, when we did the interview with you, you talked about. Um, the 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 grooming that continued with and um and then it evolving into full flown sexual activity and so I want if you can and I know you've been very vocal about it you've shared it um share some of the details that you want to share about those encounters because I think you said he he performed oral sex on you correct or 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 and and then forced you to have anal sex with him. You got a pretty good memory. Yeah, I don't want to really get into too many details, but um, it was very graphic. And my experiences that I that I had with my cousin, uh, with a few people in that house, you know, I don't really want to, it's not a hit piece, but, you know, at the same time, that's what they do. That's how they move. But I tell you right now, let somebody do that to my kid. I will fucking blast their fucking brains out in broad daylight. But I don't think it's a hit piece. Let me tell you, and let me tell you why. Because I don't need you here to do a hit piece. I could do that all day long. 
The reason why I have you here is because when we talked back in 2007, the time has changed. And I feel a couple things. One, as somebody who's now been speaking very public about his own child molest and, and naming the people and talking about my experiences, we do live in an era where Me Too, Time's Up, has existed and protected women. It's been a veil of protection for women. But I feel like when it comes to men, they're made a mockery. They're called gay. You've had all that happen to you. And they're disrespectedly right. disregarded. And the people that they accuse don't even get interviewed. And so uh, I've been very vocal and a champion of you getting justice over the years. So that's why I asked you the question. No, nah, I mean, I, you know how deep this shit can go. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not here to, I'm not here on this earth to serve any devils, nor who I stand by and try to protect any of these people. If you hurt somebody, you need to rectify that. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, the game is different. You know, I feel like for men, uh, it's something that they want to hide. But I feel like a lot of men have been uh, abused and molested. And I, and I personally, I'm excited to do this documentary. It's not about that. It's about my life. But I, we're hiring some of the best doctors because I'm still trying to understand who did that to that person. Why would that person really want to do that? I personally don't have that desire to want to mess and fondle with a, with, a, with a kid. You know what I mean? So I just I don't I just don't understand it. Probably would never understand it. And I'm just a small piece of it. But I just pray that we can protect our children more, man. You know, real talk. Like nobody should have to go through that. You know, some of my close friends I won't name names. They're like, I'm surprised you ain't kill yourself. You know, I was like, everybody wasn't everybody wasn't built for this. So I know my testimony that the enemy has tried to get me to smear, or tried to you know. Uh, water me down and, you know, dim my light. It's inevitable that I, I have this platform because this is what I was put on this earth to do. Recently, you posted um, a, a note about your your the other people in your group. And you said, I just found out certain members of B2K got me blocked. I just fed your kids, nigga. They must be protecting pedophiles. Is not talking about the details um, or not wanting to continue the pursuit of justice protecting them too? a good question you talking about for them well i mean no for you for all of you i mean the, you know i know when i was on love and hip-hop omarion wasn't in any scenes with me and that came right after i had interviewed you um i know that you know fizz and people get uncomfortable when i come around i think fizz and people oh, yeah. get uncomfortable when i come around because i did do that interview and i know what you said but for you if, if you're not talking about it and you're not continuously trying to pursue justice isn't that a form of protection that's a good way to look at it. You know, I've actually went down that road to try to do that. It just started taking me somewhere else. That's I'm, I'm bigger than that. I went to China for seven years. I was selling records for $18,000, $10,000. Michael Jackson asked me before I died. He asked me who holds the name B2K. I went and bought the name. I went and found the promoter, brought the money to the table. I couldn't do all of that stuff if I'm still constantly stressed out trying to go through court and fight some shit that it's like he say, she say. So, yeah, I think, yeah, in a way it is kind of like a form of protection, but not really because at the end of the day, it's my life and I spoke my truth and I'm I'm, I'm looking to move past it, not to harpist on it. Every time I do an interview, who wants to talk about fucking <laughs> fuck out of here? But, you know, it's like until that monkey or that elephant is addressed, I feel like documentary is going to really allow for me to be vindicated in, in, in a great way. And like I said, it's not a hit piece. It's just really about my life. And I don't have nothing to talk. I don't have nothing to lie about. So I, I really highly suggest that everybody tunes in to full disclosure. We're in production now. It's going to be very monumental for the culture. It's going to be very impactful. 
But the reason why I say it is, is, is because I just I don't have anything else to talk about because I'm going to get into this documentary, right? I'm still trying to get to the heart of when you say that um, you know you're trying to move past it, but you post that your that, that that the people in your group got you blocked because they're trying to protect the pedophile. That brings it all back up again, right? That makes it relevant. That makes people like me want to talk about it. And so I'm well, asking it you. Still bothers, it still bothers me. It still bothers me. You know what I mean? But I want to be able to produce a nice documentary with some award-winning executive producers and producers and be able to really highlight that. And I want to make my money. But you've, you've shown over the years with your moves to China, with, you know, doing all of what you've been able to do, that you're a survivor and that you have no problem getting money, right? But I've learned right. in money, and I've gotten a lot of money since we met, I've right. learned that, you know, you only be, you only become the best version of yourself and, and, and in the fullest capacity of being able to focus as a creative once you can get through the trauma. And so my question then maybe is, did you get through the trauma regardless of not getting um, validated legally because he hasn't been arrested or charged or even interviewed that I know of? Do you feel like then you don't need that to be able to move forward in life? No, I don't need that. But. There, there's some, I can't say too much. There, you, know, you, you just never know what the future holds. You know what I mean? But I just personally feel like, I feel like I wasted so much time and so much energy, but obviously I'm still bothered. You know, I'm bothered by many reasons. I'm bothered that I had to sign a gag order for the tour. I'm mad that Jay Book put the on the phone. I don't want to talk to that nigga. How do you feel about dressing you? I don't want that nigga to dress me. Nigga, write me a check, nigga. Say sorry, nigga. Say you've been molesting little boys, nigga. Take your ass and get some help. So, yeah, I'm always get turned up because when I think about it, and niggas is like, well, why are you going? Well, the nigga's mad. The nigga's hurt. The nigga, his cousin, he had guardianship of him. He threw him to the side. And then, you know, made me look crazy, of course. You know what I'm saying? So, now I have nobody. You know you know how it is. So, all them, all them niggas going to feel funny every time y'all you pull up. Nigga, when I pull up, niggas is shaking because I'm the truth. So, People knowing me being vindicated, the people is vindicating me. I get peace from that. You know what I mean? But to try to say, okay, let me go spend another hundred bands and let me let me really try to go after. Well, he gonna have to, he gonna spend his money too. It's just like what up? It is what it is. Whatever he's gonna get, that's between him and God. But I don't want to be. I'm not the person trying to hunt this dude down or anything. That's his business. I think you, you personally have to find self healing yourself. You know, it's interesting. On the last season of Love and Hip Hop that I was on, where the whole storyline for Fizz was that him and April were in a relationship and how much it was a betrayal to uh, Omarion, I kind of chuckled at everybody being surprised when you were the first member in the group to be betrayed because when the allegations came out, nobody defended you. I mean, Omari, Omari changed his narrative because he was at one time speaking for He changed his narrative, and I appreciate that. But I don't really give a fuck. Everybody, like, they don't really fuck with me, and you know, They'll, they'll fuck with me because if they did, it, it would be differently. They wouldn't let me get kicked off the tour. They wouldn't, you know, how you gonna get, how you gonna, how you gonna kick the nigga off the tour who fucking just got you broke ass niggas paid? So what kind of friend? I wouldn't do that. Nigga, nigga, after I've been trying to put people together for 16 years, looking crazy, putting, putting the group, telling everybody the group's gonna come back. I willed the group back together. And then now I gotta, like, there's, there was nobody interceded to say, nah, nigga, let's, that's Raz B. Let's nigga. I don't care if the nigga broke his leg. Put the nigga back. I don't care if the nigga was fucking drunk or high or whatever the fuck it was. Let's get Cuz deserve to get his bread. So I got a problem with that. But everybody ain't like me, so it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It, uh, you know that's what separates Raz B from them.
So the Millennium Tour, you this is what we're talking about, the reunion that happened back in 2019, which was huge, uh, selling out stadiums everywhere. You started as a part of that. And what people may or may not know, I mean, I know because I was in the show, you were also supposed to be on Love & Hip Hop Hollywood, which I was excited about because I thought, okay, this is about to be a turn-up season because Raz is going to come in here and he's going to, you know, because the one thing about you, you have no filter. When you have a person like you in an environment where a lot of people have filters because they don't want people to see the real them, I felt like we were going to get really good TV for the uh, thing. And then you weren't there. Y'all um, was the best TV. Y'all need to have Mona. Mona said there was always something interesting about Raz. But see, people blocked me for many, many, many years from even doing anything. I just happened to come back and say, listen, I'm putting back B2K together. So whether y'all like me, you don't like me. You're going to like B2K. But people don't even fucking know me. <laughs> you know what I'm going to tell you? So, yeah, I mean, I got into an altercation with my with, with a girl that I was dating at the time. Known her for 17, 18 years. You know, long story short, you know, she put her hands on me one time. I let that shit slide. Punched me. You know, one night we out. I decided to grab her ass up. And that was the end of that story. I mean, I, I would never want to put my hands on anybody. I didn't punch her, but I grabbed her ass. Like, yo, I will fuck you up. Like, I'm not the one. I'm not one of these niggas. You're going to just be punching me. I'm from the hood, nigga. Fuck we talking about? Mm -hmm. But, you know, people always want to test you because not everybody's on. Not everybody is on your level. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be careful. Same thing with you, Jason. You're on a whole nother level now. So there's always going to be people that you're trying to bring up that may not be on your level. And through oh. jealousy... Through jealousy, what do what do you? Did you just do a little dancer? Do, do, do. I've had I've had people when people start talking, you've been living your best life. I've been looking at all these different demons around me since I've been back from China. I'd be sitting back watching, like, damn, you really fucking jealous. I mean, I know I had a pretty decent career. I know I'm iconic and, and I've done some shit, but what does that really mean when 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 when, when Earth is not here no more? Let's per se. <laughs> Listen, I I had the moment of compartmentalizing people a long time ago. I I don't fuck with nobody. It's just safer to be in my little bubble, my team. You know what I mean? If I'm messing with somebody, it's really really tight around here. I don't I don't I don't engage because when you work so hard to build something, people will throw you off of what you're trying to do. Like for you to do all the work to bring the group back together to create um, a momentous moment in the B2K trajectory. Right. And then to do it. And then I know that there was the time where you said that you felt unsafe being around. Did anybody listen to you then and at least have the respect to give you the, you know, the fortitude to say, I don't want to be in this environment if he's around? Well, Book, he wasn't he didn't actually come on a tour, but I'm going to tell you like this book. You know, book always try to stay out of the way. But he's much in it. You understand what I'm going to tell you? Because he still works with. My cousin. He's still over there with his cousin, right? So good for him. I know we got love for each other. We'll probably always be cool. I feel like the more I go do my thing, the more distance we are. So I'm not I'm over B2K. You know what I'm saying? I got that done. I had to show everybody my God is way more powerful than y'all gods, and y'all all have to come and bow down. Are you gonna share are you gonna share what happened then in your documentary? I mean, are people gonna see that? I'm pretty sure I am. I'm pretty sure to be very graphic. I mean, I could. <laughs> it's crazy, Jay. It's just, it just, I just look back and I say, damn, like, why all this shit have happened to me in my life? Like, why do I had a breakdown one day? I was like, why the fuck does my name got to be a part of some controversy? You know what I'm saying? Like, why, like, you know, where was my family to protect me? Why, you know what I'm saying? Why is a grown ass man got his hands in my pants? 
<laughs> shit crazy, but bro. But, that, but, but Raz, that's why I'm asking you the question. You know why? Because just like you said, you asked God, when you see my book, my book is called God Must Have Forgot About Me. I was questioning God. What I had to realize is that he put me through in situations for me to come through, for me to see how strong I was, for me to have a platform for other people who are going through it, who may not be as strong as me, who didn't survive it, to be able to see that, hey, there's courage in being able to tell your story. That's why I keep asking you, not because I need a salacious headline. I really just want you to be able to have somebody allow you and afford you the platform to be able to resurrect a conversation that needs to be happening. There are many young men who have been molested or being raped by family members, friends, students, uh, teachers, priests who don't have a voice. You have a voice. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's that's one reason why I felt like having, well, thank you for this. And I appreciate you more. You know, I love you for it as well. I, I feel like the documentary for me was really going to be able to give me the platform, the space and the control to be able to produce and tell my story. That has nothing. It's about me. It's about me, and most importantly, it's my testimony that I felt like for so many years people have tried to, to to smear, and it just sucks, Jason. But it's life, so I don't I don't cry for spilled milk. I just look at it. I just gotta look at it for what it is. So you know what I'm saying? Like, because in the perfect world, I wish everybody would just come out and stand up. If you've been abused or you've been hurt, this is the time to start talking about it. You know what I'm saying? This is the time to start talking about it. Let me ask you these questions: Are you going to show graphic details? From your recounts of being molested by, I would. T- I'm probably going to talk about them. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure when the cameras start rolling, I'm pretty sure I'm going to leave it all there because I still carry it. Hey, I still. I still. I still carry it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I still carry it. Like I have these crazy ass thoughts in the back of my mind. It's been like, thank God I know God. <laughs> Are you are you gonna are you gonna talk about the alleged molest by Marcus Houston? Of course, of course. I feel like in, in many ways he's. I, mean, I feel like in many ways he's been taken off. He's been let off the hook, right? Marcus, I mean, them niggas is foul over there, my nigga. And anybody that worked with him, you're fucking foul for working with him. Well, let me say this: I had Kay Michelle on the show, and she was talking about the abuse around R. Kelly, the alleged abuse around R. Kelly. And she was saying that there were a lot of people, including mothers of the girls in the kitchen cooking while this was all happening. Were there a lot of people around when the molest was happening? I'm pretty sure there's people that suspected certain things. I'm pretty sure. Did anybody ever ask? Not that I knew of. Because when you're around there, I mean, I think Chris Brown posted, he posted an Instagram. He said, how come you wasn't complaining when the money was coming in, homo thug? Well, when a person's actually... Wait, 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 wait. wait. I remember that. I remember that tweet. And I called Chris Brown the night he did that. I was walking through New York City when I saw that because that tweet bothered me. Um, What was your reaction when you saw that? Well, I was just really just at the house just clowning, tweeting Rihanna, because I just thought it was funny just tweeting her songs. And then maybe I took it a little too far, but it was really, it was a real fact. I I looked over at my brother and I was like, how could women as beautiful or something as Holly Berry and Rihanna pretty much be going through these altercations with these men? And I was like, I'm not putting that, I was like, I'm not tweeting that shit. Here come my brother, Mr. Pop It Off. Fuck it. 
That motherfucker went viral. I leave the crib. I'm I'm gone. I'm not even on Twitter anymore. These niggas is going back and forth for six, seven hours. I come back and I'm like, okay, let me let me write some stuff that's gonna change this all this whole thing around. And you know, when I start to articulate myself, you know, you know, you know, Chris probably went a little too far. And I just kept it that way. You know what I'm saying? But you know, it, it is what it is. I feel like me and Chris would actually would have been real homies. I like the dude. He's cool as fuck. He's a real one. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think he had a lot of knowledge that he think he probably had from Rasby or on Rasby. Probably came from people that maybe I think maybe from Amari or different people that they that he was hanging around. But nobody really knows me. Did you and Chris ever squash that or piece it up? Have you ever talked since? I never talked to Chris. It would be nice to talk to him. Mm. I think that you're one of the first black men celebrities, even before Tyler Perry did on Oprah, to come forward and say, I was molested. This is what they did to me. This is who did it to wow. me. Um, I know. You didn't, do it. you didn't do it because it was popular at the time. You actually did it when it was unpopular to do it. Um, and then you later retracted it. Um, and there was speculation that you were pressured by people in the streets. Do you regret retracting it? Well, yeah, of course, because I had all the power then. At that moment, nigga, my life was about to be set the fuck up. But no, he's like, let me go get that video. Let me, let me, let me put ten thousand dollars in his pocket because he don't have any money. Let these gangsters go ahead and do it. Book say his story. He got his story. It is what it is. I'll leave him out of it. But he was there, and I'm pretty sure. So I'm not dumb. They drove me there to get what they needed to get. There's no press release or video that you want to make, Book, to. Clear that up, nigga. You work with you work with Marcus Houston, and they want to try to clean this shit up. And when I looked, I'm like, this is some demonic shit. This is demonic. These niggas want this is old. So this is the oh, this is deep. And I was like, yo, this shit, this this shit really serious. But hell yeah, that, hell yeah. I, I, I want to say, yeah, I would love, I didn't even know what the fucking word retraction was. I never really heard that word. Like, you know what I'm saying? Retract, retract, retraction, retraction, you know. So I just thought for me, that was like, the, I don't want to say the downfall, but that, that was like, that was, that was, that's how they discredit you. That's just, that was it. That's, that was it. That was, you know, but over the years, what made me want to come up because when the video came out, a lot of people can need to, I'm, I'm going to tell, I'm going to give you another little exclusive. There's a lady by the name of Katrina Taz Askew that manages Janae Aoko. Katrina Taz Askew, got it. So, Cassius Weathersby, a producer, he worked for many, 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 many years. He didn't get his pay. So him and Katrina Taz, they got into an argument and that they got into a fight. And my brother had the video, I remember, because I, I, I told Ricky, I was drunk off some Henny, and I told Ricky, this is what happened to me. And I was in front of the house, 4114 Colfax. I was like, this happened to me. And my brother was like, what? My brother's like, this happened to you? But I always had a back in, my, in the back of my mind, I think that nigga knew something. I feel like my brother, like, I feel like he already knew. I feel like he was the one that put me over there. You get what I'm trying to tell you? It's almost like I was like sold or some shit like that. That's what it feels like. But he winds up taking that same video. He goes to Cassius Weathersby's son 
and they upload that video. So when that video came back, every Fizz was in New Orleans, Book was in Playa Del Rey, where I was at. That video hit like a sandstorm. And of course, the media dragged all of the B2K members in it, but when essentially it was just about me. You know, and from there, they, they do what they call Which video was this? This is the very first video that came out. Uh, I don't really know. I'm standing in front of a house, and this is basically my confession of what happened in the house, how, how I was molested. And that video my brother took, and he uploaded it. I've waited for years for things to turn around to where I could finally be in this place to actually, because the healing process is still going on. And I feel like uh, I'm still healing, you know? And I feel like once I get this all out of me, because I feel like I don't want to be politically correct. It ain't like I got, it ain't like I have much of a solo career. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't like there's nothing nothing hanging over me to where I'm like, well, you better not say anything. No, nigga, this shit really happened. And it is what it is. And we're going to talk about it because I don't, I don't want nobody else to go through it. You know what I mean? It just sucks. It's just a fucked up feeling, Jay. So yeah, we don't, you know, I don't want to have any great. But what's fucked up is when you don't, you can have success and be an advocate at the same time. You don't have to choose one over the other. You don't have to be pressured into silence in order to have a career. You can tell your story, have a successful documentary. You can write a book about it. You can write a how-to guide on how to protect yourself if you're a victim. Right. You can do right. you can do an audio book. You can do speaking tours. You can have it all and still hold niggas accountable. I'm saying right. to you, right? I'm saying to you that no matter what you do, every time you try to have the career and still coexist with the trauma, you lose everything. They kick you off the tour. They get you kicked off of a TV show. They keep putting you back in the corner. So really, you're, in an essence, protecting them by not standing up for yourself consistently. I can't say. I can't say that it wasn't a painful experience. They did make you look crazy. They made you read. I get it. But I'm looking at you now, and I'm listening to you now, and you don't seem crazy to me. Right. No, I no, I agree. I agree with you. One of my OGs told me today, he's like, yo, it's 2021. We we we're speaking out on everything and we're addressing it. So, you know, this 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 actually came at a good time because what this is doing is like I was just chilling on the beach, but it's still traumatic, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm still bitter about a few things. I was like, how would niggas do that? Like, how do y'all and I just have to I have to remind myself like yo, Raz, they're not like you, because if they was like you, they wouldn't that's why you have to know who's who in the zoo. So, you know, all the niggas is corny to me. All of them. They're all corny. What made you post the tweet um, pointing fingers at the people that you in your group that you feel are still protecting? Why, why do that now? If after you've worked through everything, you feel like you're in a good place, why do it? I mean, it's, con- it's constant work. I mean, if I feel like popping off, you know, I don't want to, quote unquote, pop off or seem like uh, Raz is not controllable or... You know, this is not a person that we want to do business with. I just feel like that particular story, what's happened to me and experiences I've had in my life, it still does bother me. You said something earlier, right? And God just gave it back to me. Tyler Perry, Rasby, you were the very first person to come out. I know that. So when I sat back and I watched all these people and I'm like, damn, they, the enemy was able to get to me with the retraction and shut down all of what I should have been receiving, which I'm about to start. And I have been receiving in the last few years because 
I read an article. I can't think of the gentleman's name. I'm going to pull it up because he deserves he deserves recognition. But there was a really cool interview that was written. And his name is George M. Johnson. He said it was about how the culture or the community failed RASB. And it really touched my heart because that's exactly how I felt. So for you to, you know, normally when I do interviews or conversations, really with your family, this is really a conversation. You actually make me feel very comfortable for the simple fact is that you get it, you understand. And I had to make a decision in my life. Who am I going to be? I decided that I'm going to be an advocate for abused children, sexually abused. I'm not going to run away from really that's like one of the I mean of course B2K was big but when people think Raz B people probably you know call me gay or this or that but I, I I wind up meeting a lot of people Jay that are actually really be like bro you're so strong I believe in you and I just want to encourage you and that that's really really dope because I felt like so much was taken from me yet at the same time God has given it all back and like this is this is still an ongoing healing process and I'm gonna tell you something just like you said somebody came up to you and told you that you know, what you did was amazing and how you made them feel, you know, you have to think about that times a million or more young men around the world who are victimized, who would look at you as their leader if you stay consistent, right? If you consistently, even in the midst of how hard it is, just continue to keep your story in in the news online. And I don't know how that shows up and impacts your work or what you do, but there's advocacy work that's a whole other lane away from music and entertainment. You know what I mean? And so I went on a whole speaking tour about my book. I met thousands of people who were touched by me just sharing my story and now they become my tribe. And so, you know, I don't want you to let yourself down because when you look back, history is going to history is going to tell the story of how, you know, you either made change or, you know, you you didn't. And that's going to be left up to you, not me. Right. I, I, I receive it. I receive it. I feel that um, it is what it is. I have to. Uh... This documentary for me is going to be, is, a, is a huge stepping stone. So I feel like a lot of things are going to come from this because I'm, I'm living my truth. Um, it's just a lot, Jay. <laughs> it's a lot. But um, I understand. are I'm you going to? But but that's why earlier when I asked you, are you going to recount the details of the sexual abuse? You said uh, probably. Yeah. So I think so. Raz, let me tell you something. You got to get to a point where you say yeah. you motherfucking right. I'm putting every single detail. I'm going to send you my book. I'm going to bring it with me to Miami and I'm going to pull up on you when I get there. The book is so raw. And you know what Charlemagne said to me? I can't believe you put everybody's name in there. It's my truth. If you want to sue me over my truth, it's my truth. And my truth set me free. I don't know what it's doing for everybody else. So I just say to you, like this, this documentary, hopefully uh, it's going to be therapeutic for you because it's going to open up. If you really go in, you you know, it's going to be therapeutic. I have to go in. I know, like, my team was kind of one, like, you know, is Raz going to be able to make it through this project? It's already been greenlit. It's already funded. And it's like, I have to go in. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like there's still a way to be, to to to, to still speak with some integrity. I mean, I mean, what you want to talk about? Some people so knows that they want to know, well, how was it in the room? What time? You know? But I will, I will let everybody know this. Just one quick story. I remember being in a room with... I was about 12 or 13 years old um, and he was asking me questions about this and about my book and what type of things I'm going to write in the book and what are you going to say about me? Like this nigga was already on some shit and like, can I touch it? 
Like, you know what I'm saying? He was looking to manipulate a child to get consent. You know, I, you know, you can, any adult can get a child to pretty much say what they want them to say because they're manipulating them. And I was a master manipulator. And his partner, Katrina Taz Askew, was a fucking master manipulator. Mm-hmm. And so. And, and, her, and, her hands, and, her, and her hands is dirty, too. Mm-hmm. Where is blame for you? Where do you put, put blame in all of the experiences that you had to go through? Who, who's to blame? I would want to blame my mom, but my mom wasn't, you know, she she was going through her 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 her, her trials and tribulations at that time. It would have to it would have to fall on maybe my my cousin and my brother. Yeah. Wow. Ricky Ricky molested me, Marcus Houston molested me, and molested me. Hmm. And you know you had nothing to do with that, right? I mean, you don't, because sometimes we as victims, we blame ourselves. We put ourselves in a situation and we didn't tell nobody. We, 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 You do know you don't own any of that, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It took me a while because I used to try to blame it on me. Said, oh, well, you started all this. Man, my nigga, Marcus, man, them niggas is, man. I'd be laughing at them niggas. Put it like this. I got a fun fact for everybody. Me and Omarion were sitting because we shared a dress room. <laughs> We was like, them niggas are still campaigning for Taz in, in 2019. You feel me? That's, you know, that's the reason why Amari doesn't want to work with them guys. Because they, they you know, they still fucking with them. They fucking with the people that fucked up our money and molested us. Or molested me, bro, shall I say. I can only speak for Raz B. When you spoke your truth and people tried to demonize and destroy you, because there was a whole campaign to destroy you, make you look crazy, uh, make you look all types of certain ways. I don't think I helped either. <laughs> oh no, you, you you were great with the content. You kept that in. We didn't have Instagram at the time. We had Twitter. You had Twitter on fire. World star, lit that bitch. <laughs> was that attention seeking? Was that distracting? Was that uh, you crying for help? Was that you pissed off at the world? No. What 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 was it? That was my uncle who's a that was my uncle who 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 got got some bodies on him and he told me he said throw all the motherfuckers under the bus. Cause if you want me to, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go handle them all. So at that time it was like, oh, all right, we're going in. All you niggas is going under the bus. Because there's, you know, touch not my anointing was do my prophets no harm. How can you walk around and see you Jehovah Witness, but you fucking molesting little boys? And I keep laughing at all them whack ass movies y'all keep doing over there. I mean, like, come on, like. <laughs> and then I laugh at every person I see works with them. That shit is funny to me. Because people just get a check. That shit's funny. You, well, you know, after we did the interview, me, Charlemagne, Claudia Jordan, and Little Mo, when we interviewed you back in 2007, uh, and it went viral. Little Mo called me and said, <laughs> had reached out to her to offer her a part in a film. And and she felt at the time that it was to try to shut her up from continuing to promote this interview that we did with you. What well, I thought was kind of crazy. It, has she worked in any? Has she worked in any? Movies? I don't know that she did, or I don't know if she has since then. But I do remember that I I I, I specifically remember he had DM'd her, uh, and he followed me on Facebook. I had to recently block him on Facebook because I talk about it from time to time because I still feel like I don't understand why they haven't investigated him. Well, I mean, last, last, I mean, he needs to be investigated. I talked to, sorry to say this in your network, but I heard Vlad TV, you know, they've been calling him trying to get uh, Vlad to take his name down. And, 
his lawyer, Glenn Livwack, which is the same person he's been over there, is like, I'm not taking shit down. So he's been doing his own investigation. I, I don't know. I Put like this. I'm going to give y'all something else cool, too. Imani, the very first lead singer in Immature, called me on my 33rd birthday out the fucking blue and said, don't get his. He going to see me before it's all said and done. So this shit bigger than me. This shit ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm just in the middle. <laughs> he just, Wait, the nigga was just starting up. Wait, so did Imani allege that that allegedly touched him too? He didn't say, but he's, his exact words was, you are my hero and we rooting for you over here. And he just called me out the blue. So, you know, anybody knows or followed Immature's career, Imani was a very, he was the first singer before Marcus Houston. Hmm. And just for the record, there was another artist named Quentin Tarver who has, I know he's reached out to me over the years, who also made the same allegations. And I don't know if he's been vindicated yet or not, but um, these, these that, that's why I don't understand why there's no justice. So where have you been able to find peace in it all? Where have you been able to, because you seem very, are you sober? First of all, are you sober? I'm sober. Do you think the sobriety was plays has played a part in you being able to regain focus um, or and to be able to be really focused? Com completely. Um, all of my experiences have been experiences, and they've been experiences with people who I quote unquote trust. Like my brother gave me my first ecstasy pill. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" You know what I'm saying? I was probably you know pretty probably like 19 years old or something like that. You know that was an experience. So uh, during that time when I was going on all these rants and stuff, I was doing a lot of drinking. Uh, so that really kind of just ignited everything. That just take me, I mean, you know, it just took me to the next level because there's hurt and pain. It's just like, well, you know, I see, I see the interview with Marcus Houston. He's going to like, well, <laughs> what are we going to say that, you know, he's going to say next that God did something to him. Like I just, every time I see that interview, I just look at him. I was like, this nigga, poor guy. Like you just work for the devil, my nigga. Like poor dude. Like, just admit it, nigga. Nigga, you had sex with me, nigga. It is what it is. I've been in a room with you and it is what it is. But you uh, you want to keep this little fake-ass image going on, you and your little wife. What happened to the other girl that you had that went to court? I wonder where she at. I want to see if I can interview for my documentary. I wonder why she left your ass. You know what I'm talking about. So, the niggas is busters. I stay away from them niggas because I don't want to hurt them niggas, man. Them niggas is whack to me, dog. Well, you're talking about the Mark Marcus recently. Uh, Marcus, who's 39, recently married a woman who is 19 years old. And I know when we posted on Hollywood Unlocked, he reached out to me to say that he thought we were friends and couldn't believe that I posted that. But I mean, Mark, you know, we're not friends. I know Marcus. I have your number. You have my number. We were on a show together, but we're not friends. And that's it is what it is. Like, you know, you married a 19 year old. Um, did it surprise you that he married somebody so young? I just laughed. And the way they deal with it over there, they're like, oh, we're just going to clean it up. You know, it's just like it's nothing. No, they dragged y'all asses through the, they dragged y'all niggas because guess what? What does that say about your mind? You're 39. What does that say about your mind? Maybe you never grown up. I mean, he had a thing for Beyonce, but he wasn't man enough. So, you know, niggas got a problem, Houston. Boy, 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 boy. The only Houston that Beyonce likes is Texas. Don't come on this show and start no shit. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, he used to always be around. I know he liked that. I was like, that would have been a, you know, but when you're a little boy, you know what I'm saying? You, you're going to, you know, when you're, when you, when you like to, you know, molest younger people, then you're going to stay in that. So him getting that girl is kind of like, I don't know. 
Teach his own player. As long as you're happy. I just want to know what happened to the girl before before that one. She was around when we was going to court. You know, it's a lot of people that's being quiet out there. But, nigga, I'm telling y'all, niggas, call my phone. Nigga, this shit getting lit this year. But had you ever, have you ever thought, have you, have you ever filed a police report against any of these people? Of course. If anybody can go look at the Van Police Department, they can go look it up themselves. And, and, you may no, see and so. nobody ever followed up? Nobody ever, get, did you ever get closure? I talked to some DAs, that whole thing. When you're dealing with, with, a, with a person who got a little bag, got some power. I mean, I had a, we had a civil suit looked at it. I, I, it was all kind of things. But after a while, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, like, I'm like, Lord, is this, is this my path? Do I got to, like, go down this path? And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, this is too much. Fuck them niggas. If I really want, if I really want to deal with them niggas, I'll deal with them. Like, for real, for real. Fuck, nigga, fuck everything. Nigga, I will pull up and deal with them niggas. So I was like, you know what? I got God in my heart. Let me forgive them for they know not what they do. But they touched the wrong one. They fuck with the wrong one. So it's just how it is. How it is. So this documentary that's coming out, is it showing, are we, where, where do we, where do we enter Raz's life? Do we enter your life as a kid before the group? Um, do we get to see that Raz? Cause I think that would be powerful to see where the, where along the way the light got dimmed. Right, right. Definitely. Uh, definitely going to start, start there. We're definitely going to um, talk about the B2K stuff story from my point of view. Everybody has to remember that is my cousin, so you know, I have I, I have my hands in this on a, on a, on a, on, a, on a heavy level. We're definitely gonna talk about. I ain't gonna front. They gonna tear that nigga when it gets to the part. We're going in, so I want to reiterate that for everybody out there watching. When you tune into the full disclosure documentary. It's going to be pretty graphic and very detailed. Now, what makes it into, into the final edit? I don't know. But I'm going in. So it will be there. So, you know, I'm looking forward to not being, like, messy. But I want to be able to tell the story with some integrity. Because there's certain things I just still I feel like I need to get out of me. You know what I mean? So I'm just really, really excited. Uh, I got an amazing team. I don't really want to disclose uh, any t- any names or anybody, but it's going to be very very monumental um, for our culture because we're we're taking the approach of we want to educate people, we want to raise the topic on molestation, we want to incest perpetrators, so on and so forth. And I'm really looking forward to uh, being honest. Why I don't want to just be another statistic. You feel me? Uh, thank God that I, I'm not on drugs somewhere. Thank God that I'm not in jail somewhere. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's so amazing. That's why I want to thank you. It would be nice to have you in a documentary as well, because I feel like people's hearts and minds are ready and they're in a position to receive. And that's how we heal as a culture. That's how we heal each other. You feel me? Just like the love that you're sharing with me. This is the first time that I didn't feel like this was just for some clickbait. You know what I'm saying? And this is you genuinely are in a position. Because you walked through this, not only have you walked through a big bro, you you've dealt with it on major levels in, in the industry and this, and then you found yourself and you found your you found your box. And I think that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm I'm finding my box, and I'm actually going to be happy that people believe in me and believe in my story enough so it can finally get told. So I just want to thank all the people, everybody that's been praying for me, everybody that's been in, interceding for me through all the years. This shit ain't easy, but you know, being strong, you never know who you're inspiring. You know, there's so much power in truth. You know, when I saw 
what was happening with you back then on social media, I knew what it was, right? And I and I do think we live in an era right now where they are ready to embrace a project like this. The only advice I would give you is you got to pour into the truth 150%. You got to lock down on the idea that this, this documentary and what you went through was way bigger than you. Like it's way bigger than you. It's the millions of people that you reach because of who you are and the platform that you've built. That platform has prepared you to walk in yes, your sir. purpose. When you put it out, yeah, is it going to make people uncomfortable? Is it going to make people say, why? Are they going to blame you, attack you? But that's what happens with women when they say they've been raped. They get attacked. They get belittled. They get degraded. They get the finger pointed. They get shamed. They get blacklisted. That happens. But the, but I'm telling you, they're on the other side of all that is a victory where now you create an army of people who say, damn, I saw him survive all that. They tried to kill off his character. That nigga had to move to China. Motherfuckers probably... Held him at gunpoint or whatever on a video and made him lie about his own abuse. They re-victimized him. They tried to blacklist him, make a joke of him, and he still came out on top. And that is why when you went through, it'll be not only a lesson, it'll end up being a blessing because of the impact it will have on other people. Now, the other hand is you can bullshit your way through it and then have a reverse effect where you re-victimize people who say, damn, you had an opportunity to, to legitimize what we go through. And you made a mockery of it. Now nobody's going to take me serious, you know? Right. No, well, we definitely, I think, that, not think I know when the retraction tape came, I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I, I was like, they was meeting up with me and this, and we've had meetings that, you know, I don't want to say certain people's names, but, you know, people of power, you know, there's a lot of people of empower that people pay people for protection. And I've always had support, but I feel like, Nobody really never really smashed on them niggas. So I smashed them on the internet. You know what I'm saying? What profit a what profit what profit a man to gain the whole world loses so. So it's like man, shame on y'all, man. You know, so we, we just went hard. I just felt like it was just the time, it was just time to move on. But I think the part where I really hated the most is my brother tried to act like he was the victim too. When nigga, you was fucking molesting me. Mm. So I don't know what you were going on but you know like when i when they would try to get me a car and try to set me back up i feel like you know and i told the people i was like you know if they want to help me do my you know pay a few of my bills to get me going get me off my feet that was cool that was nothing for them to pay that little bit of money because soon as that year was up them niggas was gone like a motherfucker i remember marcus houston coming over i got the witness too she she came on he came over and paid my rent one last time you know i was still trying to be diplomatic and be cool because when you ain't got nobody what you gonna do but the older I kept getting, I was like, yo, I can't have nothing to do with this. You know what's crazy is I'm sitting here talking to you, and people that are going to watch this are going to see what I'm saying. When you tell your truth and when you just literally just share and without all the defense and without all the thought of, you know, that documentary, people are going to say this, don't want to relive that. When you just literally talk, I can see the honesty in you. Like, that's that's the crazy part. I think people... If you really just, just the brass that we just saw just right now, if you really bring that energy to your documentary, I think it's going to be powerful. I think it's going to be bigger than you think. Yeah, and no, I think, uh, I, I believe that God has uh, sustained sustain me and helped me for a time such as this. Because um, um, somebody called me and said, is back to making money. And everything that he'd been through, you know, you know, it was like, the message came to me from two different people, and I just didn't understand, like, 
it was almost a way of like, stay away from that rash. Like, trust me, people don't want me to turn up. They don't. They don't want this energy. But this is this is their own karma. But my life was affected by somebody else's wrong. Man, you've hurt people, and ain't ain't made it right. Ain't made it right. When, when, when I don't, they say to you when they say to you is over there making money again. You know why he's able to make money again? Because he allegedly, I have to say that so I don't get sued, touched black boys, not the white man that touched the white girls. And that's the, that's the heart of the issue that black men's lives matter too. And young black right. boys who are victimized that end up perpetuating similar behaviors or you know take the victimization on as an activity that they believe is normal and then normalize it when they do it to somebody else creates a culture where this 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 domino effect of, of abuse happens and it runs rapid in our community and we almost normalize and sit, normalize it and make it seem like it's okay you know and I just um, you know I just pray that people can strip away whatever perceptions they may have had for you or whatever you know I don't see why you would just wake up one day and say all right nigga you're not gonna give me a lot of money you're not gonna buy me the Rolls Royce one fine I'm gonna tell people that you fucked me nah. I always say he's like his family's gonna be his downfall, but you talking about yourself, motherfucker. Amari told me he's like, nigga, you fucked up the brand. No, nigga, I didn't fuck up the brand. Nigga, Amari, I fucked. I mean, fucked up the brand. If you, you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck out of here. So we talk. Me and always, you know, we we have a, a mutual respect for each other, and, and I respect his integrity and how he moves. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to O. Appreciate that. Uh, that stamp. You know what I mean? But um. I'm just really, really excited, Jason. I'm have a chance to vindicate myself, and I promise to everybody I will be a thousand percent truthful in this documentary. And I just, you know, I really just um, want to be able to continue to move past this. But I, I want to definitely allow for the Lord to uh, use me and be an advocate for um, for this and anything else I can be to help push the human race forward. Because I'm just here to serve, you know. But I feel like, man, my phone should be ringing. Like everybody should be called. I'd be like, yo, my phone should be ringing. I should be on every TV show. I'm supposed to be popping, popping. But I still feel like there's some stigma out there, like some like like let me work, y'all. You know what I'm saying? And if y'all won't let me work, I'm gonna keep doing what I do. I create my own opportunities, and that's the best way to do it. But that's the thing. Don't wait for them. You can create them. Like I said, right now you opening up and 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 continuing a lane in this space. <laughs> This, this this is this is this is the time that we're in now where these kind of stories are important. Now let me ask you: a lot of people used to question your sexuality, attack you, call you gay, or call you bisexual because of being molested, which is the craziest thing in the world. Because being molested or being a victim of child rape is different than being gay. I'm all out gay as fuck and happy. Do you? What what did you? How did you process that? What was your thoughts? Did you did you ever feel like you needed to respond to it, or did you respond to it? I probably responded to it a few times, but I know deep down inside, you know, I've kind of looked around and I'm staring at women, staring at men. You know, I know what my, I know what desires that I have, and I don't have a desire to be with a man. Got it. Okay. And so, when people were questioning your sexuality, did you did you feel attacked or re-victimized, or did you just say it was the internet? Definitely feel attacked. I definitely feel victimized. But now that I'm a lot older and, you know, uh, you know, B2K had his run, but people used to call us B2 gay. And a lot of people in the industry that knew how he was moving, they probably already knew it was something funny going on anyway. So, mm-hmm. so many people that probably knew it, but people just mind their own business. And that's what happens. And I get it. It is what it is. People mind their business because niggas don't want that smoke. 
So what, <laughs> so what's up with it? Okay, when the documentary hits, I'm gonna be watching it with uh, organic, gluten free popcorn because I'm still on my fitness journey. But when it, when it does come out, I do want you to come back so we can actually break it down. And I'll also say I think you should be focused on a book. Like, you know, I wish the book would have hit first and then a TV movie or documentary because I think that like when you do the book, you pouring it all out like sixty thousand words. Would you ever do a book? Sure. Bring me a deal. <laughs> I've been known to break some deals, Raz. Don't ask. Be careful what you ask for. All right, listen. You'll be out here tomorrow. We'll, 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 we'll talk. All right. So what's the name of the documentary? It's full disclosure. It's full disclosure. Um, hope my director doesn't get mad, but Travis Payne is directing it. Um, okay. Travis Payne is going to direct it. He's also producing it with me. And then I have a few other... Uh, I have a few other names that's going to make the internet go crazy. <laughs> Wait, so look, look, let me ask you this. Do you guys have a deal already or no? You guys have a deal, right? Yeah, I have the, I have the financing part locked in. The company that's doing the financing, that part I do have. As far as what network I'm going to take it to, I'm waiting for the best deal because uh, it needs to, need to do what it do. Okay, well, shoot, I'll be in Miami. Let's talk. Listen, Raz, um, I appreciate you coming on and um and and starting to, you know, the process of continuing your journey and healing and sharing the story. I know that a lot of people are gonna want to see it. Um, are, are you gonna show the the other members' role in all of this too? Like, are they gonna be in this documentary from your recounts? Uh, that's a good I didn't think about that. I mean, yeah, of course they will be in it, but I'm I'm not here to uh, talk about anything that I don't know about. I'm going to talk about my business, but yeah, they're going to be definitely, they're part of my life. So I'm going to definitely show that chapter. Uh, Cause I, I'm always going to love my brothers. You know what I'm saying? It just sucks. They don't love me the way that I love them. It just sucks that, but I understand everybody has to do what they have to do to take care of their families. But I would never leave my niggas. I would, that's just, I wouldn't, I don't know, man. It's just, it is what it is. But yeah, they're, they're going to be a part of it. And I'm going to talk how I really feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. And I love them, but they're not my blood brothers. You know what I'm saying? But we we, we made damage. We, we, you know, we kicked up, we, you know, we kicked up some dust and we, we you know, we, we, we did damage together. So it's just something that I feel like I never wanted to let go of that brotherhood because I love family. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like it sucks that, you know, something happens. Everybody wants to push back. I'm like, yo, like this, this, this is the one who did something wrong. No, like I really meant what I said. Like, nigga, I just fed your kids. So if I, if I didn't do B2K, then when Michael Jackson asked me who owns the name, I'm the only one with the B2K tattoo. Mm. You know, my cousin, this is, this is like, this is for real, for real for me. It's not just about music sales and record sales. It's millions of people that we inspire. Why would you alienate that? I'm down here with a bunch of Caucasian people and everybody's like, we know who B2K is. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. Boy, to me, it's been my journey from a boy to a king, learning and growing up how to be able to manage my kingdom by keeping all the thoughts under the captivity of Christ. So I've just been reading a lot and just really just getting my mind in the place because life is about reaction. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to react. Last time I react, I almost lost my I almost lost my damn life in China. I, I, my I, hand. I, remember, I remember when your hand got chopped up. It was that was that was rough. What man, bro? I, I fainted three times, but I was like, I was sitting on the floor, like, damn, this is how I'm going out. Like, fuck, man. Like it was crazy. Blood was just flying everywhere. Then imagine you're in another country too. Oh, bro. We're gonna talk about that too, man. 
And a lot of people felt like, I think at that time I was really, I was probably high as fuck, drunk as fuck. Were you doing cocaine? What were you doing? Yeah, it was some cocaine. And I punched my hand through the glass. Mm. And I felt like it was something my dad did, but I felt I had so much anger and I had so much anger. I've got a lot of this anger out, but I had so much anger in me because I feel like, why is all these people fucking with me? And that's how I felt about the tour. You know, you know, you know, I, I you know, I love books. So I'm not trying to come at him. Book has always been like a bridge, you know, because I, I guess he wants to understand from a different standpoint of view. But Fizz told me on tour, you know, Book decided to go back to him because he didn't have nothing. And I think him and Fizz kind of fell out because Fizz is still over there with Katrina Taz Askew and Jay Book's still over there. And me and Marianne is laughing because them niggas are still campaigning for Taz in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) On Love and Hip Hop, when you say that uh, Book is a bridge, he definitely was a bridge at the reunion trying to understand why is would be with April, Omarion's baby mom, or the mother of Omarion's kids, and and what would you think? She came up to me, April. I ran into her since I've been back in China. I ran into her three times. I ran into her at Penn's what um, Ventura. I don't, I don't even remember America. Like anyway, the bowling alley. Everybody always go to. And she was there. It was cool. Taz was there. I seen her. We talked briefly. Kept it pushing. Then I seen April again. She was at the Vegas show. And she walked up to me and she said, and me and Sway Lee walked in. Shout out, shout out to my brother Sway Lee, man. That's a real, that's a real Gemini. He knew I was going through a lot of stuff. And he's like, bro, like, I want to go to the store. I'm gonna pull up with you, man. Wait, wait, about all wait, that. wait, wait. Sway Lee is a Gemini? Sway Lee's a Gemini. Sway Lee, you're the only Gemini that I like. I Geminis are psychotic, and he is actually a really dope dude. So I I, I have to research this because I didn't think you were a Gemini. You like me too, but um, you're a Gemini. But no, you're a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. Oh yeah, you're a Gemini. It makes sense. You're a, you you crazy. You crazy. But it was really cool. He supported me. This is the very last show in Vegas, and I just showed up. I guess everybody thought that I was going to keep showing up to the shows, and I was going to act crazy or do something like that. I was like, okay, y'all really don't want me. You really want to? So I really have to sit here and watch three guys perform. That's kind of fucked up. That they that that's kind of fucked. I would never. I would have never did that to them. Uh, uh, the other other than them trying to tell a different story. That that all falls into the narrative that they've been trying to play to play. Mm-hmm. Period. You know. And what was so crazy back to the April story? She walked up to me and she was like, "Yo, that's not right. You need to be on stage." I could have just put my clothes on and got on stage and what nobody gonna tell me nothing. But. They already edited me out the video. It, 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 even when the, the intro video, when they made the video, the trust, the whole thing, man, I seen it. And I, and I watched every play. That's why I said I don't feel safe. Me and Bud got into it that night. Like it, it was to the point where I'm like, are these niggas hiring people on the tour to fuck with me? Like it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like we need to get Raz to react. If we get Raz to react, it's good. We're gonna be like, see, told you the crazy one. See, told you. No, nigga. No, no. Y'all was fucking with me. This was my dream tour. I didn't get the, I didn't get a chance to do it how I want to because I was so happy. I made sure I put everybody in a position to do their own deals. But why is Raz B making the less money off, off the tour? 
Mm. But, no, you, but you but you walked away, but you walked away from the tour because you felt unsafe, right? Because of being there, they kicked me off the tour. And they had, we had a meeting with the three B2K members. They was afraid. Of, they was they, they they talked to me. They 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 all made a decision to kick me off the tour. And then OVO Fest, if it wasn't for, you know, they all got more money. They just, they just be dogging me. They, they, they dog me, but it's cool. I was like, I'm going to get the last laugh with this one. So I hope, hope y'all niggas got paid, nigga, because I'm about to get paid. For real, for real. You and your brother, Ricky Romance, that's your, I, I didn't know you guys had fallen out. Are you guys not talking anymore? I don't fuck with Ricky, man. Ricky's always been jealous of me. Ricky's always tried to take these things and make it seem like he, oh, he cares for his brother, but he don't really care. You steal from me. Nigga stole so much stuff from me. I lost so much money. You know what I mean? The dude's on the road bringing drugs around. Like, he's just a bad influence. Nobody wants to be around. So, like, fuck him, too. Fuck him. Fuck, fuck Marcus Houston. Fuck all them niggas. Mm. My mother and my father are the ones that, my mother, my father, my sister, and my brother are the ones that do a will of God. Just because you're my own brother, that does not mean <laughs> that. You're my brother. You act like the fucking devil, as far as I'm concerned. I've had to fight with my brother over him being jealous. Like, get your punk ass out of here. He's damn near, he's fighting with the promoter on the road. I mean, a lot of people don't even notice, but they, they put they, they put hands on my, my manager on that tour. So I had to call some of my people. They said, listen, we'll come out there and fuck this shit up. So I, I allowed for that tour to continue to go on because I wanted to go. I didn't want to destroy what I built. But my nigga, they was fucking me on that tour. When I first got off the plane, I was like, they boo's like, yeah, to a security. Don't talk to that nigga. And I looked at the nigga like, huh? Then they put me in a production van when I got there because my car wasn't there. They just, they they handled me like, like when I, like, when I gave the deal to to to, to Boog and Demir and them, they went over there and really tried to make it their deal. Like, that man. I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking, I have a lot of details to share with the world because people need to know this. And, and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to allow for everybody to see my character even more. Like, damn, that nigga Raz. Like, some people say I would even work with them fools. But I did it for a bigger purpose, y'all. We had to bring B2K back. Now that now, now B2K's back, doors are open. Doc is coming. You know, but um, that's um, going to be interesting, Jay. We're going to hang out some more. When you get out here, we're going to hang out some more. We can talk a lot more off the record. And then as we... As we, you should, you should, we should talk more about this documentary because you should definitely sit down and be a part of it. I'm, I'm coming to Miami, and I'm telling you, I mean, I don't know. Do, do we have, do we have his number? We have, do we have your number? We, we know. Yeah, I think you can. We, we know how to get in touch with you. We'll, we, we're gonna get together. Listen, uh, full disclosure, full disclosure, disclosure, in detail, graphic, uh, organic, <laughs> organic. At organic popcorn i will be eating and watching and of course i would love you to come back so we can really get into the details and listen the the, the documentary do. the documentary is going to be successful it's going to make money but the bigger thing i think if you really are honest and it, it's going to help save lives because people are going to be able to come forward specifically men of color who are hiding in the shadows right now because they don't feel like people are going to take them serious or are going to make a mockery or try to shun them the way that they did you and so you can become a leader, a transformative leader in this space, and I hope and pray that you you get the uh, ability to tell your story in an authentic way. And I'm gonna be here to help you, so uh, I'm here. You help a lot. I appreciate you, brother. Now, real talk, you interceded for me. You made me feel very, very comfortable. I mean, I could be pretty, pretty animated at times, but uh, 
you put me in a very comfortable place and I'm, you need to come where we're going to talk. We're going to talk. You, you may need to no, be around. I, I, you, you, you could be animated as you want. I'm animated sometimes, but you look, <laughs> healthy, you sound, you sound sober. You, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that people were able to see you today show up as who you are. And I hope that they are able to see past some of the, you know, you do, you do, you do pivot and try to, to dodge certain things, but I understand that there's a lot of pain behind a lot of that conversation. And I, I don't know your world and I, I'm only trying to peek in it and hopefully allow people to see you for you. And, um, you know, this is the beginning, even though we had that one real reckless conversation that I still blame on Charlemagne, that, that was all Charlemagne. I'm here and we can continue to have this dialogue, but I appreciate you pulling up. <laughs> nah, man, you made me feel very comfortable. Thank you for having me. Shout out to your whole staff. Everybody's amazing. Everybody's professional. I just want to send a personal shout out to my PR barber for setting this up. Shout out to um, Daddy Rose by Harvey J. Shout out to uh, Cal Dental. They be keeping my teeth looking good. My new artist, Gabby B, Nick, V Coop, and Diva. You know what I mean? We, we, we doing it. And I can't forget to shout out Big Boy Records. And most importantly, Photo Finish with my boy Steve McConnell. Once again, Jay, I love you. I appreciate you, man. Um, thank you for. Um, Handle this with care and with integrity, and I appreciate you. I'm proud of you. Congratulations on everything that you're doing. And I'll see you when we get to Miami. And bring the book. Don't forget. I got you. And thank you for showing me what it feels like at the end of the Grammy Awards when a person is reading the credits. <laughs> but you got to show love to the team, to the home team. So, no, thank you. And we'll definitely do this again. But I'll see you soon. Peace. See you soon. Peace. All right, look, that was a great show. And make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy. Uh-huh, that's right. That means like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on. And ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back. And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace. Mm-hmm.